0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What a wonderful, wonderful time of worship. We celebrate a God who is powerful. We celebrate a God who is merciful and glorious. And a God who knows how to how to separate the weeds from the wheat. And if you've been with us this couple of weeks, you know that we've been, um, we've been reading passages of Matthew chapter 13 as, as Jesus describes and, and gives the parable of the farmer sowing the seeds. And, and I want us to think about How Jesus is, or or what Jesus is trying to convey, not just to his disciples, but also to the people gathered around him as he's relating this parable to them. Today's passage is found in Matthew chapter 13, and we'll be reading 24 through 30, and then we'll skip a little bit to 36 through 43. And Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And an enemy, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the weeds with them. Let both grow together until the harvest at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I, I love parables, and I like how it always relates to, well, not always, but most, most of the time it relates to nature, one of my hobbies, and, and you can ask my wife this, I have lots of hobbies, but one of them is bird watching. And as you can see in the picture, in the screen, this bird is a very guile and very uh, untrustworthy bird, if I may say. He is one of the over 100 species of a type of bird that is called brood parasites. This is a cowbird. And if you know about birds, especially the cowbird, what they're well known to do is they would infiltrate another bird's nest and they would lay their eggs on their nest so that when the hatchlings, you know, hatch, they would and, and, and I I kid you not, the baby birds, the baby cowbirds, would pick on the other birds and would throw them off the nest. It's a way that they survive and adapted. Uh, one of the interesting things is that there are other birds that know about this. One of my favorite birds is a robin. Robin eggs are blue. They're beautiful, blue eggs. And the good thing about robins is that they can see colors extremely well. And so they realize that once a cowbird has laid an egg on their nest, they look at the colors and say, hmm, there's something odd about what is in my nest. And, and they would pick on the, the cowbird egg and they would throw it off and. and you know, they got rid of the parasite egg, so to speak. But, but it's not so easy because cowbirds don't just lay one egg in, in, in one nest. They, they, they scatter throughout and they lay many eggs on many types of birds' nests. And, and this is another nest of a bird called a war, warbler. And it's very similar. And, and if you are a bird, you probably have a trouble time trying to discern which one is your egg. And so you are in a conundrum, right? You either risk throwing your own eggs and let the parasite bird grow, or maybe you guess right. <laughs> it's a challenge trying to find someone who is not genuine. Someone who pretends to be someone else. And and this is what Jesus is trying to get at. And, and in fact, Uh, the the disciples had a hard and a troubled time trying to understand what what Jesus was trying to say. And so they came up to Jesus and, and in verses 36 through 43, Jesus had to explain to them about the weeds and about the wheat. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, the, the eschaton, the end of times, and the harvesters are the angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Wow. Wow. Going back to what Jesus is saying about the weeds and the wheat, the actual Greek word used for weed is zizanion. Now, zizanion isn't a specific name given to an actual wheat that farmers had trouble discerning whether it was a wheat type of grass or actual wheat. Cezanion is also known as, as a, a tear weed. It's a grassy type of weed. Nowadays, we're we commonly known as, as a, a darnel. It was very prevalent in Palestine and largely indistinguishable from wheat, until, until, it actually matures and bears fruit. See, the darnel wheat is quite the opposite of the true wheat. It tastes nothing like a wheat, and in the end, darnels are actually not just bitter, better. Or uh, and an edible, but darnels are also known to be toxic and poisonous. And yet the darnel has adapted to its environment, where in the early stages it looks very much like true wheat. It's indistinguishable almost. And I want us to think what happened in the parable. So in the parable, in the parable, a man sows the seeds. And as uh, the servants come and they say, look, sir, we can discern here. There is something wrong. Something doesn't quite match. There are weeds there are darnels that are growing alongside the the wheat it's interesting how i I relate to the servants very successful for christ very very passionate for Christ. And, and if, if there's anything that doesn't match Christ-likeness in people who call themselves Christians, I've uh, I got to point it out. And I've been in many churches where other Christians not just point out, but fight over it. Oh, we need to uproot the weeds, throw it on the furnace. It is my job to do that. I relate to the servants. And yet, Jesus gave a weird answer, if I must say. An answer that I didn't expect him to. To give to his servants, he said, Well well hold on. Don't touch the weeds. See if if you if you go and you uproot the, the weeds, you may have collateral damage. You will also uproot the innocent. You may also uproot those who are from my seed. And I, I was thinking, when I was reading this, I was thinking, what? But why? Why Why would you let it? Why? Don't you see what he said? Uh, don't you see what he's doing? The lies that this so-called Christian person is saying? Why would you just let it be? Now, we have to understand that we have to understand one thing that Jesus is not saying, okay? Jesus is not saying, well, this imposter is innocent. He's not saying that. Jesus is not saying, well, he didn't mean it. Jesus is not saying, there is no real problem here. He's not saying that. The first thing that the farmer says in Jesus' parable is that, yes, I know, and I know who did it. I know who sowed the seeds. It was the enemy. The first thing that the farmer says is that I know who did it. I realize, I recognize that this person is not genuinely who he says he is. But he's also saying that even if one genuine wheat were to perish by uprooting, then that's no solution at all. See, God cares for his children so much that he's willing to deal with imposters until a certain it is certain that the uprooting and the weeding will not cause collateral damage. God is the shepherd who leaves the 99 and finds that one lost sheep. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 45, uh, Jesus says, The Lord causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. Now, we mustn't mistake what, what Jesus is saying here. Again, he's not saying... His heart is not genuine. He's not saying, yes, he professes to be a Christian or a believer. Just let him be. In fact, he, he's, he's, he's saved forever. He's not saying that. He's not saying that the church shouldn't discipline. The Bible also says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, Surely that day is coming. It would burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and the evil doer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire. Not a root or branch will be left to them. That sounds like uh, harsh words of judgment, if I may say so. See, this parable is not excluding church discipline no Jesus was very firm in teaching someone about discipline in fact in in chapter 18 verses 15 through 20 Jesus goes on to teach the disciples if someone were to sin in church you must go to him in person and talk And if that person has a hard, hard heart and is unwilling to listen to you, then you take two other people along with side as, as witnesses. And yet, if that person still persists on sinning, then leave it to God. I relate to the servant's Oh, God is my priority. I must take that weed and just yank it out. But sometimes when we do that, we end hurting believers who are starting. Actually, chapter 18, Matthew verse 6, it goes to say. If anyone or someone were to be a stumble, see, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in, in Jesus Christ to stumble, it is far better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That doesn't only go to those who are outside the church that causes people to stumble. That that goes to people like you and me, and the things that we do, the things that we say. How much of Christ are we showing people? Are we just proclaiming to be believers or are our actions telling them? Jesus is saying to the, to the servants in, in, through the parable, way. hold on, hold on. I know that you love me. I know that you want to do the right thing. I know. But there's so much more to consider than the clarity of a person's false heart or his proclamation of faith. And, I, and I'm here just, just bashing my head on the Bible saying, but see, God, you don't understand. He's, he's a skunk. He's pretending to be a Christian. He says he is, but I know his life. Just look what he's doing. God, I'm a laborer. I, I only one wheat in the church. But what makes us think that the Lord wants otherwise? There are many darnels in our lives, and just like the cowbird egg, there might be little birds who aren't unable to discern the true egg. My father was an atheist. Um, he was born in Peru, and he went over, over to Argentina to study, to, become, to study medicine to become a doctor. And he never wanted a, anything to do with that Jesus kind of stuff. But he had a good friend. My, my dad would go out to parties, he would drink, he would dance, and, and this friend would go out to him. And, and one of those nights, this friend comes up to my dad and tells him, hey, you know, uh, there's this church of Nazarene, and, and they, they have pizza. They're having this, this youth event. Um, you should come with me. And my dad was like, oh, I don't know about that stuff. You know, that's, that's not... I'm here to study. I'm, I'm. I don't believe in fairy tales. So he went. He went to the house of this old lady, and and she confronted my father and told her, "Do you believe in Christ?" And my dad said, "Well, you know, I believe he was a man. I don't believe he was God." Oddly enough. Uh, at youth group uh, yesterday, we talked about who Jesus is. and Pastor Andrew did a good, good job with that. And so my, my father told the, the old lady, you know, it's, I don't believe. And, and, and the lady said, don't you want to know if you pray? If you pray, and my dad looked at his friend, you know, who the other night was out partying with him, And he was praying, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll, look, just to stop you from insisting too much, I'll give it a shot. I'll pray. And he prayed, and he was like, ah, I'm wasting my time here. You know, that's what he was thinking. And the lady prayed for him. she put her hands on my dad's shoulder and, and told him, no, pray with your heart and he did and something changed something changed that my dad felt he told me he felt like a thunder and lightning had just struck him he felt like he felt like he was being consumed alive and all he could do all the strength that he had was just to kneel and to pray and to cry and he's never cried before in his life That's the moment we, where he accepted Jesus in his heart The following weeks he started going to the church and and he started assisting and attending the youth events and then he started you know being more, more involved in church and and reading scripture and then and then giving um, you know little study section here and there, and eventually he felt a, a call to, to ministry. And this call was, was just overwhelming. He had to completely change his, his trajectory, of becoming a doctor, and started uh, taking theology classes. And, and his whole life was turned upside down. And he says to me, it was this friend who invited me. But something happened. See, as, as, as Christ was growing in my dad's heart, he, he looked behind him and, and this friend who was the one who invited him seemed to be static, seemed to not be able to walk with Christ as he was. And my dad says, well, I... I I felt something. I felt like the Spirit was telling me I should talk to him. He's my friend. He—he He's the one who, without him, I probably wouldn't have gone to, to this lady's house, and I wouldn't have prayed. And, and he confronted him. He says, listen, I, I see that you are still going out and partying. I see that you're drinking. I see that you are, you know, with the ladies, and you know that's not right. You know that you say you're you're professing that you're a Christian, yet you, your your actions are not showing. And the friend apologized. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know it's 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 difficult. I I'm going through some difficult times, and and that was that. My dad ended up graduating and becoming a missionary, and and years later he found out that this old friend stopped going to church. So even though he was, even though he, uh, he was perhaps a darn old, God still used him. And my father believed that if, if some conflict were to happen, he looked really highly to this friend, it would have crushed him. It would have crushed my dad. There are many darnels in our lives. There are many people who proclaim to be Christians and yet are not living accordingly. One of the things that happens sometimes is... You have a, a, a young man who would go to church and who proclaimed to be Christian, and he would marry a Christian lady, and, and then he would stop coming to church. He'll have children, and they would come to church. So, what do you do in that occasion? Do you uproot the whole family? Do you take all the darnels along with the wheat and throw it in the fire? See the misunderstanding is asking to survey the lord's field and and to survey the lord's field with closed eyes to to refuse to see darnels among the devil's path that's one that's one way that we can all we can all fall short of to think that there are only wheat in church. The second mistake that we can do is being unable to distinguish darnel from true wheat, setting the Lord's field ablaze, thinking that it's all darnel and no wheat. I, I want us to understand one thing. Jesus loves us so much. In fact, the Father loves us so much that He sent His only Son to die not just for Christians, but for the sick, for the poor, for those who have no hope in Christ, for those who are struggling, for unbelievers... And is our, it's our call from Christ to be like good farmers and to distinguish the right thing to do and always have grace in the ways that we both love one another and in the way that we confront one another. Maybe there is someone in your life, whether it is a family member or whether it's a friend, who you've been praying and praying, and, and dear God, give me patience. I need to pray some more. I, I, I want you to know this, that we were all Darnals once. I was a Darnell once. And God can turn it to wheat. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we trust in you for you are faithful. Father, I pray that you would just help us see and distinguish. Darnel from weeds, uh, darnel from wheat. Lord, sometimes it's difficult, but but I believe that may not be the most difficult part—the discerning part. Perhaps the most difficult part is what to do and how to say things. And Father, I pray that you would just give us your grace. And give us wisdom. Maybe you're telling us just wait a little longer. The day of the Lord will come. Trust in me, you are saying. Because you are more righteous than I am. You are the true judge. You truly are just. Father, I, I pray that you'll help us maybe be more patient, maybe to wait a little longer, but, but to love and to give grace. Help us not uproot the wheat alongside the tarnel. And in your grace, may we live that others oh, might see you. Knowing that you, you are in control. You, Lord, you are in control. I have hope in you. May your grace and your love abound and grow in our lives and in everything that we do. In everything we do, may you be glorified always. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May Lord God Almighty bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. You are dismissed.